0: To another episode of 2-Minute Drew, presented by Deep Dive Sports. I am Nick, and I'm joined by David on this one. We're going to go ahead and jump right into our quarter three here recap section, or not recap section, I'd say uh, main topics within the NFL. You know, we have seen all the head coaching vacancies be filled. Um, just to run through these real quick, if you guys uh, did not know, the Raiders hired Antonio Pierce. He was their interim head coach. Um, for pretty much, I think, half of the season almost for them. Kind of the front-runner for that job. Patriots hired Gerard Mayo, you know, former player. He was on the coaching staff. Basically, the job was promised to him already. It was just given to him a year early. Uh, the Commander's hiring Dan Quinn. He's the ex-Atlanta head coach, and then most recently, the Cowboys' defensive coordinators coordinator. The uh, Titans hired Brian Callahan. He was the Cincinnati O.C. this past year. The Falcons hired Raheem Morris. He's uh, He actually was their former interim head coach a couple years ago. They decided not to go with him. And he is most recently the Rams defensive coordinator. And then the Panthers hired Dave Annals. I think I said that right. Um, and he was the Tampa Bay O.C. this year. But he was the f- a first-time O.C. So, you know, not the same jump that we saw with a um oh who was that guy that coached the Giants that came for like the Patriots as a special team coordinator. Um was it Dables? No. Oh my gosh, was, that's gonna bug me that I don't remember his name. Was it something judge? Anyway, I don't know. Maybe 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 while I'm going through this, Dave it'll fact check me a little bit. But um, yes, the Panthers hired basically a a first year offensive coordinator as their head coach. Um, I think honestly, that job really was something that not very many people wanted. <laughs> um, so they might have had to go and uh, we find somebody young to attach with, you know, World Bryce League. Young and uh, Joe Judge. Joe Judge, there you go. Yes. Um, Joe Judge was a special teams coordinator and he was hired by the Giants. So, yeah, didn't work out very well, but hopefully, uh, Dave here will do better um, with the Panthers. This is definitely a team that's going to be building, and you know, there's not going to be hopefully much expectation for success. But their owner is kind of crazy, so we'll see. <laughs> uh, the Seahawks hired, hired Mike McDonald. He was the former defensive staffer at Michigan, and then most recently, he was the defensive coordinator with the Ravens, and then. Last up here we have Jim Harbaugh, ex-Michigan head coach and weird man who wears khaki shorts while cheating his way to success. So David wrote that one in there. Uh, I didn't just write, wanted everybody I didn't write anything. <laughs> out of these guys who got hired, like I said all the positions have been filled, you know in your mind who is the best and who is the worst hire out of this bunch?
1: Honestly, for me the best hire would probably be either Antonio Pierce or Gerard Mayo. And the reason for it is because Antonio Pierce has the the respect of his players, or at least that he does at the moment um, from all the present players. And with Gerard Mayo, he was, like you said, a former player. So he, he was already in the trenches at some point and can kind of relate to the players. The worst hire, at least I think is Either Brian Callahan or Dave Canals. And it's the reason for that is because we don't know how Brian Callahan's going to do. Yes, he hired his dad, but we still don't know. On top of that, with Dave Canals, unless he can prove some us differently, knowing the Panthers' history, he's not going to do anything. I think he's probably the worst, those are the two worst of the
0: bunch yeah it's it's tough for me to say that canals is like the worst hire just because i feel like he's in the worst situation you know what i mean i he he could have been maybe maybe he could have been a really good head coach he still could be um but he's just in such a a bad situation right now and, and the owner is so volatile that i just don't know if it would be fair to put that on him, but I do agree. Right, he's coming from the first time that he had an OC position. Um, he hasn't even had any really head coaching experience, so it's it, it's a very weird hire. Um, it's one of those hires that you do if you're expecting to hold on to a guy for maybe four or five years and give him an opportunity to help the you know be a part of the rebuilding process. But like I said, that owner is so volatile that I just think maybe he's the only guy that would accept the job. <laughs> um, for me, I'll go with worst first. I, I almost kind of feel like it's either one of two. I, I agree with the Titan Titans one. And only because I feel like it, they downgraded at head coach. So it just didn't make much sense to me. And then I think the Dan Quinn one is, Is weird like he was all right I guess in Atlanta like he had a 500 record Um, and that defense for the Cowboys was pretty solid all year but it really fell off in the playoffs so I I don't know it's it's a very weird it's almost like somebody said it was an unexpired uninspired hire sorry Um, which it does feel like that so to me that kind of feels like the the worst one Um, the best one Yes, I would love to say Antonio Pierce and Gerard Mayo, um, just because of that player's coach mentality. I think they're going to really be able to galvanize the guys. I think these are two guys that, you know, have the potential to maybe put themselves in a Mike Tomlin type career, which is a Hall of Fame coach type career, right? So I think these are two guys that have that opportunity to do that. Um, but I think the Jim Harbaugh hire for the Chargers is probably the best one. Unfortunately, it's the best in the worst, right? Um, worst for us here as Ohio state fans, you know, he basically gets to walk away scot-free after everything with a championship, get an NFL job, but best for the chargers because ultimately he is going to get the best out of that roster. Um, unless they're truly cursed, but he's going to be able to get the best out of that talent. He's going to be able to get the best out of Justin Herbert. And, you know, I can see them after dealing with their cap issues this year, Um, going into that second year of him being a head coach and them really being a competitive team uh, moving forward with Justin Herbert. So that's probably the the best hire out of all of them. (laughs) Um, David, who do you think lasts the longest in their new role?
1: I think it's a combination of either Mike McDonald and Jim Harbaugh. And the reason for that is because I think the Chargers will think that, okay, if anyone can fix this in the long run, it's going to be Jim Harborough. And then with Mike, McDaniel, Mike McDonald, there we go, if I could speak English properly, I think as long as he can kind of keep the same mentality that Pete Carroll did, I think that he's going to go a long way. And if he can keep, kind of keep that and grow the team and actually do something with the team, I think he can actually do something well. Because pretty much we've seen this over the last 2 years. The team's largely there for success. It just needs some final pieces here and there to actually get it over the hump. Cuz they've they've either made it to the playoffs the last 2 years or were knocking on the knocking on the door. So the pieces are there. It's just a matter of galvanizing it.
0: Yeah, I think the Seahawks are a team that need a a like a quarterback upgrade. Um, not that Geno Smith is bad, but I just think that he has limitations
1: mm-hmm. and
0: they they need to find this succession because he was really just a bridge quarterback for them. Um but, but he was an excellent bridge quarterback. Yes. Yes, yes. I mean he he played top twenty in the league quarterback play for those two years. I think a lot of people will say, Hey, he definitely had a resurgence in his career, but I don't think you're going to be able to get that out of them, you know, for another five years. So you're going to have to figure out something different, um, a more dynamic, you know, quarterback who has the opportunity to grow with this roster too, and um, take it to that next level. So, mm-hmm. but I agree. I think Harbaugh is probably the front runner, front runner for being the uh, one that will have that position for the longest. I think Gerard Mayo is another guy that you could look at, um, the Patriots are another organization organization that stays loyal to their head coaches, right? They had Belichick for a really long time. So I think that, you know, and especially with them having this succession plan in place with Mayo, I think that they are fully prepared to go with him for at least, you know, an eight to ten year stretch, I feel like. So he has an opportunity to look at this roster. And work with the general manager staff and rebuild it, retool it, and put it in a position to be successful. And I think they're fully comfortable with knowing they're gonna be bad for a couple more years before they get back on this, you know, hopeful train of dominance that that we've come to see them as in the Tom Brady slash Belichick era. You know what I mean? Um, so I think those are probably my two front runners. The other guys I just don't know as well and like the panthers the falcons the commanders those are teams that they'll change head coaches every three or four years uh raiders too so you know the titans are one that's weird you know the owner was like oh i want to make sure i get my guy so maybe she'll keep him around for like five or six years he might be like the third longest or something like that but and then i agree with you the seahawks they, they they might keep mcdonald around for maybe five or six years too but that's another team where I feel like they they don't they might not feel as much of a reason to keep him around for a long time like they did with Pete Carroll because Pete Carroll's you know a Hall of Fame coach you know helped win them a Super Bowl put them in positions to win a couple more like I think that um that was big big reason why they kept him but McDonald doesn't have the same pedigree so if after three seasons they're not improving or showing any improvement, I could see them getting rid of him too. So, but yeah, it'll be very interesting. I don't know. But also, how much longer can Harbaugh coach? Because what he's in his sixties, late sixties, early seventies now. I might be I might be overshooting his age there a little bit. Maybe. What's the What's the Google machine say? He is presently sixty years old. Sixty years old. Yeah. A little I was a little high on it. Sorry, sixty. So I mean I guess He's definitely got some time. He's got uh, like maybe like 10, 12 years where he could coach, you know what I mean? So Theoretically speaking, yeah. Yeah. Anyway. He's uh,
1: so, so it I mean, we've seen it to a person too in their early
0: seventies, so Yeah. Probably like ten or twelve years. I think that's a good that's a good timetable. But All right, last question here, David. A a lot of people have brought up this, you know, these points. Belichick, Vrabel, Pete Carroll. These are guys that did not get hired this round. Um, What's your thoughts on it, and and why do you think they didn't get hired? Well,
1: okay, I'm going to start with Pete Carroll, number one. He didn't get fired. That was more he just stepped away and is doing more front office work than anything else. So he's not really fired from the organization. He's just working for the organization in a different capacity than he was. Belichick, I can understand because the guy, he kind of needs a perfect situation. And the only person that, the only team that I could see that had that, or teams I should say, would either be the Seattle Seahawks or the Chargers. They have the most weapons in place and just might need some slight retooling. So I can understand why he doesn't have a job because it's more of the guys in his early seventies, we saw with the Patriots. He isn't exactly the greatest reader of the new up and coming players. And I think that's why he kind of lost the job with the Patriots as we kind of discussed beforehand, the most confusing would be Rabel because I don't think he should have been fired in the first place or let go. And I think a lot of people can agree with that because they've had a lot of success. And really, this was the, maybe the second year that they've had an off year at most. And I think the, the Titans kind of jumped the gun on letting him go, but granted, I don't know why he wasn't hired for some of these other jobs that have the talent there, kind of like the Falcons, almost. Like they, they already have the offensive capability to to be decent. Like they got Drake London, you got Pitts, maybe a restructuring quarterback, but if you have the right offensive play calling, they can be decently fine for the time being until you can actually get that quarterback. So Carol, I can see why he didn't have another job because of the front office, Belichick due to age and misreading some of the players. Verable is confusing basically.
0: Yeah, I think I agree with you completely. I, I think Carol and Belichick fall into the same category. Like, Like you said, they're they're both older, both in their seventies, both towards the end of their coaching careers. You know, really were unable to, um, win at a high level. I think the Seahawks were a little bit better off, um, than the Patriots, but you know, especially with Belichick, like you said, he was unable to really kind of find the this this generation's talent, and really. Put themselves in position to be successful for the future and i think that's that's a big reason like you said he needed a team where he could walk into and they would be able to be instant playoff team you know what i mean he doesn't have to do much roster building and i think that's that's probably a big reason why the variable one i agree doesn't make any sense i feel like he could have he would have been a better head coach than dan campbell um I agree he would have been a better fit even for the Falcons. And I think the Seahawks could have used him. I think he would have been perfect. I think the Seahawks job would have been perfect for him in the sense of Geno Smith is very much a like, you know, he's not going to win you games, but he's very much of a Ryan Tannehill, Kirk Cousins type quarterback, right? He's accurate. He's not going to turn the ball over much. He's not going to make very many mistakes. He's smart. Right, And I think that's that's the quarterback that Vrabel's been most successful with. And then at the same time, they have a lot of young talent on that team um, that this year, specifically going into this year, they could take a next step. And even with a Geno Smith, who is not like a, oh, I'm going to go win you games kind of guy, they can make some noise. They can make a playoff run. And I think with the right head coach, that would have been possible. And Mike McDonald might be that guy, but I don't know, Vrabel... Vrabel seems like a better option than an, uh, a good amount of these guys that got hired. So, I don't know. Maybe he takes a year off and, you know, he does something where he sits in, like, the front office somewhere and becomes, like, an advisory role, or maybe a team hires him on as a defensive coordinator, and then next year when there's a bunch of openings, you know, he'll get it. He'll get a position. I don't know if you did hear, though, David, Uh, Diana Rossini, who's, like, one of the bigger Reporters within the NFL, she said that there were some executives that said that he's so big in speaking about Vrabel as a person that people were intimidated by him when they were, like, doing his interviews. And that could be a big reason of why he was not hired. What do you think about that? Like, it should that really play a factor in, like, how big he is, I guess, like, would that, I don't know, like, what would you take from that if you were, like, the owner of a team and you, you heard that, oh, like, one of the executives didn't hire this caliber of a coach because he, he like, was too big and intimidated them because of his size or whatever. Like, just height-wise? I, yeah, I guess he's, he's tall and he's, like, he's really muscular. Because he played in the NFL, like, it's not like, it wasn't, but I mean, he retired, I guess it's been maybe like 10, 15 years now or whatever, but still, like, I mean, he he's still built. Like, he works out, you know, like he's going to still go out there and hit some people, <laughs> you know what I mean?
1: <laughs> I mean, I guess for the front office, I can understand that feeling, but I feel like if you have a coach like that, you're going to want that kind of coach because he's not going to
0: be a pushover. The other thing too is I don't know if you've seen videos of him coaching but he'll put pads on sometimes and go out there with the guys like and not necessarily like hit them but like he'll like when he's trying to demonstrate like a move or something like that like he's in pads like he's out there showing them techniques you know what I mean not just telling them and I think that's that's something that that you that you were kind of probably starting to allude to is like hey that's that's a big boost within the locker room of guys respecting him
1: it's like then the front off if it's like if it's not an ego thing let me put it that way if it's not an ego thing then i don't know why they wouldn't hire that kind of coach because he's gonna try and show the point that i'm trying to make is if he wants it done a certain way he's gonna go out and actually show it and put his money where his mouth is. I think that as a front office, I would want a head coach like that. It's like I get that he's going to be a giant, but coming from someone who's five foot six, I almost everyone's going to be a
0: giant to me. I'm five four, David. I'm right there with you. <laughs> I don't know if you saw this either, David. It, it, this was more kind of pointed towards Belichick, but Marlon Humphrey had made a a post on uh, you know X. I, have to, I almost called it Twitter, um, but he's, he said... What's the difference? Yeah, whatever. <laughs> he, okay. said, he said, uh, the, and then in quotation marks, it says, greatest coach of all time, did not get hired out of the six head coaching jobs open. I think that debate can be put to rest now. I And basically, he's alluding to saying that because Bill Belichick did not get hired this cycle, that... He should not be considered the greatest head coach anymore. Now, I don't, I'll let you know how I feel about this after, but do you think that Marlon Humphrey's comment is factual or is it just kind of whack, David? What do you think?
1: I think that it's kind of whack, let's be honest, because I don't think Tom Brady would have six out of his seven rings without Bill Belichick. And Bill Belichick would not have his six rings without Tom Brady in that team. So it's, it's kind of a two-way street. Let's be honest. A good coach cannot be a good coach without good players. And the fact that he was able to sustain it with Tom Brady and they were able to go off each other for so long – is not only a testament to Tom Brady, but a testament to Bill Belichick. Yes, he wasn't the greatest towards the end of his career. I think that every single coach and every single player falls off when they think that they could have a few more years of life in them, in the career that they have. But sometimes it takes two or three years for them to finally admit that Unless they have a perfect situation, they're pretty much done in the NFL or in the other leagues. So I'm not trying to, excuse me, disrespect the guy's opinion on the matter because I can understand why he is saying that, but I think that he's forgetting the fact that Belichick was – and still is the greatest head coach of all time.
0: Yeah, I don't know. It's it's definitely whack. You know what I mean? I think um, I don't think this hurts his legacy. You know, because we don't know if Belichick turned down offers or not. They don't say that. You know what I mean? So yeah. who knows if a team actually offered him a contract and he said no? Right? Like he's like, no, it's not the perfect situation. I'm not going to come back and coach this garbage team and and. You know, continue to tarnish my legacy. You know what I mean. I think that's a that's a, that's a very real possibility. But yeah, I don't. I think Marlon Humphreys is just maybe a little bitter and for some of, reason, and that's, and uh, that's and just a that's just that. It's
1: only one man's opinion. Yeah, I respect him for coming out and saying it because that I think that opinion needs opinions need to be sometimes said. Not mm-hmm. all opinions. I, I'm not gonna get say every opinion's fair and just because I know there's some loony bins out there. But <laughs> within reason, I think that it's fair and free and fair to say.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, let us know at home what you guys think about uh about Belichick and Vrabel and Carol not getting jobs. I think uh Belichick and Carroll to us makes sense, but Vrabel's one of those that doesn't and maybe there's something behind closed doors that we just don't know but like David said this is I think the first year in his tenure that he was with the Titans that they didn't make the playoffs and last year they were without Derrick Henry for like six games and they still made the playoffs so I think that's that's just a testament to the kind of coach that he is and you know they were still in contention for the playoffs up until the last couple weeks so Who knows, who knows, who knows, but just let us know what you guys think, guys. All right, quarter four here. This is the big, 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 big topic of the week here. It's a Super Bowl matchup, David. 49ers, Chiefs. Listen, this is one that at the beginning of the year, I think everybody said it could be one. We get halfway through the year, the way the Chiefs are playing, other teams started popping up, right? Like the Ravens the Dolphins people were talking about, even though we kind of knew they were frauds. Um, But hey, the Dolphins
1: got me a lot of fantasy points, let's be honest. I may not have had the greatest record in our fantasy league, but they— granted, I was kind of stupid in the league.
0: (laughs) No, I had Tyreek Hill, so it helped me out. But but this playoff run that the Chiefs have gone on has been magical. And the 49ers with Brock Purdy have been like just inspirational to a sense of this guy was last pick and now he's here in the super bowl. And I I think, you know, there are a lot of cool, fun storylines to this on ESPN. They were talking about, you know, what would be the coolest storyline for somebody winning? And ultimately I I think I hate that because it, it just adds to this like narrative that the NFL is, is rigged and that the NFL is basically a big story. And, um, is going to sell the most tickets or the most eyeballs. I think it, it just, it doesn't matter about storyline to me, David, but what I mm. want to know from you is, you know, who, who's going to win this game and why? And what, what do they need to do to win the game? I'm kind of split because
1: it can go either way. Because I think that the Chiefs kind of cashing in on, a- on opposing teams, like, screwing up. So I think because we saw, especially during the Baltimore game, Baltimore kind of got ahead of themselves. Like, especially if you, for example, Zay Flowers in that taunting call, basically, and him standing over. It's like, yeah, that's a great play, and you should have been able to capitalize on that, but you decided to be greedy about it and cocky, And they made you pay for it. But at the same time, the 49ers have been... Brock Purdy, I think, has made his passes, has been decently well, and they've been pretty healthy. Yes, the other players, like we've said, have elevated Brock Purdy, and it's not the other way around. But like I've said before, throughout the year, you don't need the flashiest quarterback. You just need someone to make their passes to who they need to make it to and the team to be healthy. So I think that as long as the 49ers do not make mistakes and be greedy about it, I think the 49ers can win. But if they screw up a bunch, I think the Chiefs will take advantage of that and make them pay for it. So I'm kind of split because it can go either way. If I want someone to win, I would want it to be the 49ers over the Chiefs, but I can't keep it out of the realm of possibility that the Chiefs would win.
0: Yeah, This one's a tough one. I think keys to victory for each team. 49ers. Keys to victory. Brock Purdy has to not turn the ball over. And offensively along with that, their skill position players have to play their best game of the year. Defensively for the 49ers, they have to put pressure on Patrick Mahomes. That's the only way that they're going to be able to slow this offense down. If they cannot put pressure on them, it doesn't matter.
1: And on top of that, I would throw in the offense keeping the defense off the field. So what I mean is 49ers offense being on the field for a lot of time.
0: Yes, yeah.
1: Patrick Mahomes off of it.
0: Obviously, any any key to victory should should also have time of possession, right? You 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 want to control the time of possession. Um Chiefs, keys to victory. Keep Patrick Mahomes clean. Wide receivers make big plays. Defense, keep them in the game. You're not asking them to stop the 49ers completely, but just keep them in the game. I think that's that's the biggest thing. I, I think what we've seen in this Chiefs run is is It's not been luck and I know that we want to get behind this conspiracy theory that Taylor Swift is pushing this narrative like they're trying to push this narrative that they want Taylor Swift to be here be there be whatever But when you look at the games that have been played These this chiefs wide receiving core has made plays when they have not made plays all year So in the playoffs they've caught their balls They've made big plays They've had runs after the catch. Isaiah Pachenko is playing out of his mind, right? So that is the biggest thing with this offense is like, we know that the defense was good. We know that the defense has kept them in games all year, but it's been these wide receivers that have let Patrick Mahomes down. It's been this offensive line that has not been able to protect him. And in the playoffs, both of those things have been corrected. So for them to win this game, which I do think they're fully capable of doing, they have to have that same mindset they have to catch their passes they have to have run after they catch they have to protect Patrick Mahomes and if they do that I think that this defense is good enough to stifle the 49ers offense enough times to where Patrick Mahomes can put the Chiefs in a situation to win and I've said it time and time again 90% of the time in the playoffs it's the better quarterback that wins that matchup and Brock Purdy is a good quarterback This is a guy who is going to be a staple in the league for the next 10 years. He is accurate. He's smart. He's going to be the 49ers quarterback for at least the next five, six, seven years, maybe even longer. But Patrick Mahomes is the greatest quarterback of this era, of this era of football. And, I don't think it's even close. There is nobody close to him at this point for what he's able to do. And you got to think that he had a down season this year and they're in the Super Bowl. I heard this like comment that was like, this team was supposed to suck (laughs) and they're in the Super Bowl. And that's something that's that's crazy. That's a testament to his leadership and his ability to put those guys in positions to be successful. And I don't know. The only thing else I could say is, it's going to be very hard for them to keep him clean because you got two of the best pass rushers to come out of Ohio state in the past 15 years that are going to be coming at you. And, uh, and I think that's, um, that's scary. That's scary to think about. (laughs) We'll definitely be back next week. Recapping the super bowl and, and all the, all the craziness that comes from that. So Again, thank you guys so much for listening to another episode of Two Minute Drill presented by Deep Dive Sports. And we will catch you in the next one. Thank you, everyone,
1: for listening to another episode of Two Minute Drill. And make sure to follow the show on
0: Instagram at Two Minute Drill Podcast. D Don't forget to follow Deep.Dive.Sports on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And you can listen to all of our shows wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Also, comment on all our posts and episodes we would love to hear what you think about the show and what we talk about each week
0: and as always two minute drill listeners until next time